0: get back to seeing watch Japanese man won the pretend contest <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rogue Opinions, and welcome back to Kayfabe Court. This time, I am the judge. It's nearly two in the morning here, so I'm going to make mistakes here, so forgive me. But I am still the judge here. My name is Rahul Asnani. You got that, Jimmy? Rahul Asnani. And I'm joined with Jimmy Baxter and Scott McLeod. How y'all doing?
2: Howdy, howdy,
1: howdy. Okay, I guess nothing to say. How have your days been? Jimmy, how's your
2: day been? My day has been wonderful. Uh, just, you know, normal Sunday activities. Uh, keeping the house spruced up and trying to make sure I don't hear the words I don't want to hear you say.
1: Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're talking about.
2: I mean, oh, yeah, I'm sure you don't. I'm sure
0: you don't. So, Scott, how's your day been? My day's been pretty good. Uh, just, you know, trying to get Trying to find a decent link to watch New Japan's Dominion show.
1: Oh, and you're seen ha- and you're halfway in, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I've won- I'm on the second last uh, match, uh, which is the intercontinental match between Abushi and Naito. I just seen a very a very sickening bump that Abushi took off the apron.
1: Indeed. So, what are your thoughts on the show? For like, how much have you watched it?
0: I'm um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, uh, a lot of surprises so far Some big like announcements. G1 related. And uh, I'm really enjoying it and I like how New Japan kind of structures their shows and that the the matches get better as they go on. There's just like some regular tag matches to start and then you build to your bigger matches. But I don't want to talk too much about it because we are going to be doing a show, a podcast about this at some point.
1: Ooh, that's a plug. Uh, So, I mean, this show, I don't think it holds anything to what we saw a few days ago when we saw Super Showdown. Oh, Did you all I
2: can't catch... compare. Uh... I can't compare,
1: can you? I mean, the main <laughs> event has got to be the greatest match of all time. Has the Meltzer rating come out for that? Because, I mean, if it's anything less than like an eight and a half, I think, I don't know what we're doing here.
2: <laughs> well, if a Tokyo Dome show can get, a uh, Tokyo Dome main event can get, you know, seven, eight, nine, t- 12 stars, then in the glorious, beautiful city of Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, in that beautiful stadium. I'm expecting to see triple-digit stars here, guys. Triple digits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the number of zeros that are there on Brock's check, I guess.
2: <laughs> anyway, it's a lot more than triple, I'm telling you now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> triple. Imagine he just gets like $100 to come to the show.
2: <laughs> if I got paid anywhere near the amount of money to do anything that Brock Lesnar was paid to get kicked in the balls and leave a stain in the ring in Saudi Arabia, then... <laughs> I would do whatever was asked of me. Whatever.
1: I mean, how can you not? I mean, imagine. First of all, we know that Brock hates traveling, right? So he flew all the way over to Jeddah, not Riyadh. I don't know if they're different cities. but oh,
2: was, he, it G- was it Jeddah? I, uh, yeah. Riyadh was, uh, Riyadh was uh, Greatest Royal Rumble. Yep,
1: I guess. So Jeddah, he flew over to Jeddah, which I, I'm sure he didn't enjoy. And he's there, and... He just basically got molly whopped by an injured Seth Rollins who had already had a match, and I bet he's the most paid person in that entire show. Oh well, probably. Or-
2: him Goldberg and Undertaker for sure were paid a stupid amount of money to go over and do that.
1: I mean, Undertaker. Okay, like, do you think Undertaker would have been paid more than Brock?
2: I mean that that depends. I mean Goldberg hasn't been hasn't wrestled in I think two years. And, uh, I mean, it showed because he knocked himself <laughs> out 45 seconds into the match. That uh, have, was have, have both of you seen um, Matt Riddle's uh, Twitter video that he immediately took down? Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> the worst wrestler in the business.
2: <laughs> Just the bants, the bants that S- Senior Riddle has is unbelievable. Wait, who thought what we need in a Goldberg Undertaker
0: match as an E-bar. Who, what agent thought that was a good
2: idea? Yeah, but I, I also don't think that anybody agented that. I think that was just Goldberg going, I need to remember how to do moves. I hurt myself.
1: <laughs> I imagine he just goes for the Kimura lock. <laughs> he goes for all the MMA moves just to try it out. It's just like a practice session for him. And then he forgets that he has to actually win the match because he's knocked silly. <laughs> he just keeps on trying different MMA
2: moves. I mean they they should have stopped the match I think to be honest with you I really think they should have because he was was bleeding a lot and he obviously was not exactly in control of uh, his faculties uh, because he was he was out on his feet yeah that was
0: really like uh, -like Goldberg was watching what Dustin did with regards to bleeding at Dolores and thought oh you think that's good wait till you see this (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's be serious for a minute because this was just a horrible thing to watch. We don't want to yeah. see our childhood wrestlers that we used to, like, we grew up watching, you know, do some, just such things just for, you know, a, a big payday. I guess I, I'm sure that none of these people are struggling for money. And I mean, I hate that Undertaker. I, I guess he was going to retire ages ago, but just gets called up every time and just can't turn it down. He keeps coming back. And I think I hope that this is the last straw for... I hope this is just a message for all the legends that come back for a one match thing that it's not fun. It's, it's not worth risking your health just for a big payday. Uh,
2: that, like, I mean, what do you all think? I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated because they have to do these shows based on the contract that they signed with the government of Saudi Arabia. Um so when they spend the 3 weeks preceding the show not even using the word Saudi Arabia to then completely do a 180 on the show and act like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread um it's 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 weird that that they choose to do it this way especially with you know the the backlash that they've been getting since the beginning but you know I mean they have a contract and they have to keep it so we're going to get these glorified you know stadium house shows for the next couple of years eight years i think what they have left and you know it's-
1: i was surprised because i think i was doing a podcast with uh, carl about the the money in the bank uh, review and he told me that that deal was for eight years and i was like you're kidding me i thought it was like this is the last year or something it's eight years of this shit of this just breaking storyline bringing back legends it just ruining everything for a month it makes no sense. I mean, I mean, it makes sense to them because they're getting paid a fuck ton. Of I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into the political side of it because it's not my place to talk about it. But oh, like just wrestling wise, it doesn't make sense because there is no st- storyline progression here. I think it's, it just hinders storyline. You get, you bring back legends that just, it just ruins everything. Uh, I don't, I, I, I'm just such, oh like I hate it so much. Oh man.
0: One of the worst things about it is, as hard as it is to watch, you know, like, you don't want to see Taker wrestle again because you don't want to constantly have this experience of like, like him not being able to do things he used to be able to do. But then on the other side of it, if he doesn't wrestle again, we have to live with the fact that Undertaker's last match was this shit show, basically.
1: I mean, I live with it as long as he doesn't wrestle again. I'm, I'm so tired of watching him wrestle again.
0: The only way I'd I'd see Goldberg wrestle again is if if it's against Matt Riddle, and then that's it for him. (laughs) Yeah, just spears him one, two, three. That's it. Riddle takes him and goes, This is how you do a fucking knee bar.
1: (laughs) Imagine he just puts the same knee bar on Matt Matt Riddle. That'd be so funny.
2: And he just starts laughing at him. Like, you can audibly hear him say, Bro, 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 let me show you. Let me show you. (laughs) Um, I, and yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a complicated set of circumstances and I understand them having to go through with it. Um, but I mean, the, it's funny to say, but the Saudi Arabia contract is probably one of the least of their concerns at the moment. So (laughs) as long as they can produce a fully functional show, I guess that's something.
1: Yeah. I mean, Oh, uh, wrestling is at, is at the worst point. Like, not wrestling, but WWE is at the worst point uh, right now, I think, that it's been in so long.
0: Do you think if they'd managed to get the women's match approved, people would have looked at the show any more favorably than they do
2: now? I guess. I think so. I think yeah. so. Especially because they flew the women out as, like, a gamble um, mm-hmm. to to see if they could, like, lobby for it. I think that if they were if they managed to get that match on the show, it the show as a whole would have been looked at more favorably because the company's main point was that we're trying to incorporate some forward thinking into this country and for them to fly those poor women over there just to do nothing other than take a really funny photo with Mojo Raleigh is kind (laughs) of sad. Yeah, because
0: <laughs> going from the first show they did where there was no woman at all to current where they brought Renee on to go her and she was on this show as well and then yeah. if they'd gotten a women's match on this show then it would have tried to show it, send a message that little by little they are trying to like, help progress in in Saudi Arabia but the fact that they tease the idea that we might be able to do this and then they couldn't get it done really just does them no favours.
1: I mean... And in my- I mean, imagine the only woman—the only woman being on the show was Renee Young on commentary. I mean, <laughs> there were better yeah, options on there.
0: She, she must have been absolutely dying in that heat because they covered her up. But it's like as they kept saying, "Oh, it's 90-something degrees out there." Jeez. I mean, yeah, the
2: real—they yeah. said the real feel in the ring at one point and around the ringside area was 101 or 102 degrees, and like, I, I'm I'm kind of stealing this from Ross at Cultaholic, but he said that I'm surprised that the entire country of Saudi Arabia wasn't under a flood warning when Brock Lesnar and, and Shane <laughs> McMahon walked out there, because heaven almighty, like, those men just sweat normally, and, you know, I mean, if they were able to get the women's match on there, I think it would have done them fa- uh, a favor, but uh, I don't think it should be looked at as wwe's shortcoming i think it should just be highlighted as another shortcoming of the government of saudi arabia it's not really on wwe they took the chance they flew the women out there i'm sure the women you know appreciated being you know even just included to that extent
1: yeah.
2: uh and they tried they really tried but sometimes you it's hard talking sense into a brick wall
1: yeah the brick wall but, being <laughs> the saudi the saudi prince's
2: the person
0: i feel most sorry for is drew mcintyre because he goes out there he's from scotland and i know for a fact he's never in his life ever felt heat like that was probably (laughs) out there being in scotland people people are already getting the, the lawn chairs out in the garden when the temperature is above 20 never mind 90
1: wait 20 really
0: yeah i've got I look at my backyard, my neighbours are all outside, like, it's 20 degrees for, like, five minutes. It's not summer. That's all we can hope for over here. To be and, fair, he's going it, out, and he's to going out in a leather jacket and 90 degrees.
1: To, to be fair, here we have, like, 102 temperature in India is, like, normal. <laughs> <laughs> because I think in the daytime, we have 102, 105, 100%. So, yeah, we live in the desert as well. Not really, but I mean at least we have women who can walk around the streets normally. Anyways, I guess we have a particular court case to get into. Let's get into kfab Court.
2: Who's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? Me the what's gun? in the fucking box?
1: Welcome to kfab Court. My name is Mr. T.
2: And oh, you, suck. you suck. You suck. I'm so sorry.
1: Bad who is the judge here
2: i you, you're the judge there you go i God am mr us.
1: t shut the fuck up the two of you i am the judge mr <laughs> t and uh, today we're going to be discussing what was in vince's log box so if let's just go back in to 2016 when in february when they had no idea what they wanted to do for The Undertaker's opponent at WrestleMania. That's not in kayfabe. Let's go back to kayfabe. So what the situation was, uh, there was an award that was supposed to be presented to someone, uh, and they made it sound like it would be given to someone who's done something for the wrestling business, and it was given to Stephanie McMahon by Vince McMahon. While all this pandering stuff is happening, Outcomes after years and years, Shane McMahon, and he gets a huge reaction. He comes out and confronts his father and basically tells him that I, that he, not I, he said that he has some information about Wins that is so damning it will ruin his reputation. He didn't say that, but I'm guessing that's what it was, uh, in a lockbox. And uh, Wins was definitely petrified. And he gave uh, Shane a chance. Or Shane gave him a chance, basically. Why why, why would Wins give him a chance? Shane gave him a chance that if you want me to keep this to myself, I want a match at WrestleMania, And he gets a match at Semenya against The Undertaker. And if he would have lost, then the information would have stayed with him. And if he would have won, the information would be out for everyone to see. And Wins didn't want that. And Wins got his wish because The Undertaker won. And we never got to see what was there in the log box. But what if we had seen what was in the log box? So that's what we're going to discuss. What was in Vince's log box? Let's get
2: on with the opening statements. Jimmy. Thank you, Your Honor. Um, we we've, we've been in this courtroom before, and we've heard things be thrown about from time to time. But this. Ladies and gentlemen, I can promise you, is the most damning evidence that has ever been brought to us here in the kayfabe court. I will prove today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what was in the lockbox presented to Vince McMahon by his son Shane was a series of pictures, damning pictures, of a weak point in Vince McMahon's life where a certain somebody came back into Vince's life after many, many years of being apart. As we all know, Vince McMahon is a huge fan of Shawn Michaels. They they spent a long time working together, being together, loving one another. Until one day that that relationship fell to pieces and Vince McMahon was never again the same. Until a time in early 2013, Vince McMahon got a phone call and rushed out to meet his former love they spent a wonderful day together there was a brunch there were a few drinks a few cocktails they spent a day by the pool they worked on their tans and they pumped a little iron before you guessed it pumping one another but what they didn't know what they didn't know was that they were being watched they were being watched by a private investigator hired by none other then Brett the Hitman Hart, who still a little sour from the Montreal Screwjob, was trying to throw out some damning evidence to ruin Vince McMahon's reputation. Shane McMahon caught wind of this and through mo- most of his his infinite ways, as he described in the February 22nd 2016 episode of Monday Night Raw, he was able to take a little time away. And start some businesses. And help some businesses grow. One of those businesses. Was a private investigating firm. And that private investigating firm. Had the man who caught those pictures. As hired by by Brett the Hitman Hart. Inside the lockbox. That Vince was so scared. That would see the light of day. Were very good. Very in focus fi- uh, pictures. Of him and Shawn Michaels. day. Spending the day together. Embracing one another. And yes, pumping one another.
1: Alright, that sounds amazing. Scott, your opening statement.
0: Well, Your Honour, to say that Vince McMahon has an ego would be as big an understatement as what Jimmy just said about Bret Hart being a little sour about the Montreal screwjob. He has spent years amassing this global empire, this himself up with this master of industry always never wanted to look weak at any point in his life but there was not one not two but three pieces of, of evidence that made Vince not look like the strong businessman we all he likes to portray himself as and he had to take these three pieces of evidence and lock them away in a lockbox and he needed one man to help him Disposal on the one man he thought he could trust more than anything, his son, who he'd recently been estranged from, who'd left the company to go out on his own, Shane McMahon, to help him hide these away in a lockbox. Hopefully, no one would ever see them again until Shane made his return on Monday Night Raw and threatened to reveal the contents of this lockbox, which I will prove contained not only the legendary videotape of the Tom McGee Bert Hart match, which made Vince McMahon. Big Vince McMahon's table rise upon watching Tom McGee in action, thinking he could be the next Hulk Hogan. Photographic evidence of Vince McMahon sneezing, something he hates more than anything in the world. And finally, a lifetime supply gift certificate for IcoPro. And one of Vince's many failed ventures, which links to yet another field venture, the World Bodybuilding Federation, And Vince hates to be reminded of his past failures. He hates to be shown that he is not in control of his actions. Therefore, he took these three damning pieces of evidence and locked them away in his lockbox.
1: All right. Portugal won the UF Nations League. Okay, then. (laughs) Let's get back to this case. So, Jimmy, elaborate on your statements.
2: In the early spring... 2013 Shane McMahon found himself at the head of the table of uh, of a new venture that he was planning on starting and that venture was a series of restaurants those were getting off the ground nicely but he needed to find a way to make sure that his competitors weren't stealing his ideas so about May of that year he began to assemble a group of people a an A team so to speak or a mod squad if you will and He had them go out and spy on his competitors to to really, really drive home the fact that the restaurants he was starting were going to be wholly his own. Now, after a few months of them doing their work and making sure that the restaurants were going to be not stealing his ideas, they came to him one day and said, you know, we've been working for you for a while, but we can no longer continue to, take, to be paid under the table? Is there any way that we can, we can maybe make this a little bit more official? Shane loved that idea. Shane immediately came out and said, yes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a private investigating firm and I'm going to put you guys at the head of it. Flash forward yet another couple of months and the offices are all just about set up and the phone starts ringing off the hook. One of the men picked up that phone and on the other end was Brett the Hitman Hart, who, even just a couple of years earlier, was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. But, as we all know, Brett never felt like he really, truly got vindication for what happened in November of 1997. So he called this private investigating firm. And just to one last grasp to get back at Vince McMahon, he hired the private investigating firm that he didn't know was owned principally by Shane McMahon. Over the next couple of weeks, the private investigators all fanned out and tried to figure out what was going on. They spent a lot of time in New York City, Connecticut, Florida, California, all the main places where Vince McMahon tends to be at any point during the year. Nothing was coming up. Until late 2015, when they found that Vince had gotten a phone call from... A blocked number. They followed up on it, and well, they went down to Florida. There, they found Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels just being with one another once again. This this evidence was was astounding to these people who had been following this man around for a long, long time, and he seemed to be clean. They were almost giving up hope, but as we as we now know, at least on my side of the court, we know. That on February 22nd, 2016, Shane McMahon walked back into that arena, box in hand, walking with that big dick energy that we know that he has, being the best in the world and all. (laughs) And the second the words lockbox came out of his mouth in that ring, the second it was even suspected that Shane knew anything about what was going on. Well, the look was written all over Vince's face. He had been caught. And as Scott, you've said as well, he doesn't like to show weakness. Now we know that Vince and Sean never actually fully reconnected after that day. They, they split. They continued to split. Sean was offered a role in the PC and is now a coach for NXT under the tutelage and leadership of Triple H. Vince is now working on other things, the XFL. But he never would have gotten there if Shane was able to defeat the dead man at WrestleMania that year. Because inside that lockbox were a series of pictures of Vince being very weak. Going back to someone who had broken his heart multiple times. And that's just something he couldn't have. So so Vince called on The Undertaker. He, he cashed in a chit. Called in the original Big Dog. Who was threatening... Who's, uh, who had his yard being threatened by Shane McMahon, who all he wanted was ownership and, and, and creative control over Monday Night Raw. And that wasn't going to happen. Not in Vince's eyes. So Vince sent The Undertaker after Shane, and Shane did what he could. But, oh, but at the end of the day, Undertaker won that match. Vince got the lockbox backs and disposed of it. The only reason I know is because I've been in contact with the private investigators, and they assured me, that what they saw was damning. Your Honor.
1: Damn, indeed. Scott, elaborate on your point.
2: Well,
0: as you'll know, as it came out recently, it's almost like i stuff of legend in the story of how Tom McGee had this match with Bret Hart and Vince thought of him as a successor to Hulk Hogan only to see that maybe McGee was not the wrestler he thought he was when he sees him in matches with other than Bret Hart. And this embarrassed Vince because he was so certain that he had another star on his hands that he was embarrassed that he had let his emotions get the best of him upon seeing this big, oily, muscly man. <laughs> but, and yes, some people may be thinking this is not the story told in the Bret Hart-Tom McGee documentary about how the tape came to be discovered. However, Bret Hart took to social media to claim this woman who claimed she was uh, transferring tapes for Brett and his secretary. He referred to her as a liar. He has discounted her story which is which is because that never happened because Vince took that tape. He made sure no one would ever see what made him embarrassed. He only he only recently decided to release it in order to staunch his competitors at StarCast from showing the tape. Now as for the pictures of him sneezing Vince McMahon never likes to give up control and sneezing is an action that cannot be controlled as Paul Heyman has accounted in a previous story that he was pitching this year-long great storyline he had in mind while he was under the man's employ in the creative team he was pitching a story and at one point in the middle of the meeting Vince McMahon sneezed and then Paul Heyman continued his pitch and after five minutes realized that Vince McMahon was no longer listening to his story he said and because Vince had checked out because he was angry with himself that he had sneezed, that he had allowed himself to be in control of his own bodily functions. And this is how we know that if there was any evidence that Vincent Man ever sneezed, he would not want anyone to see it. And finally, the ICO Pro and the WBF, well, Zora Day, well, recounted how much of a grand failure this project was. And much like Tom McGee, Vince McMahon never likes to be reminded of his own failures. A question I have for my counterpart, Jimmy Baxter, is why if Vince, his heart was so broken by Shawn Michaels, would on the same year, same WrestleMania where he sent The Undertaker to take down Shane McMahon, would he agree to have Shawn take part in that segment alongside Mick Foley, Stone Cold, Steve Austin,
2: and the League of Nations? Well, if I may respond um you the only reason the only reason sean was even involved in that was it was just simply part of his deal as he was transitioning back into going into the pc vince and sean have had a long story had they they still have a, a great affection for one another but on a professional level and vince being an adult he understood that they had one final tryst and you know went their separate ways as all real adults tend to do well then
1: jimmy do you have any questions for mr scott
2: well i have a i have but one question and that question is is now this evidence that you say that they that they had a, a photograph of of him sneezing vince mcmahon has worked for a very very long time to control all of his bodily functions except for that one time that i that i admit is true that I've heard that story as well from Paul Heyman. But as we all know, Paul Heyman does embellish. And if a man as powerful as Vince McMahon can control all of his bodily functions at this age, which we can see that he can, I believe that he has trained himself to never sneeze, never not once. Where 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 do you where do you believe that it comes from that he that these pictures were taken?
0: I believe this came while he was training to control his bodily functions. This was a weak moment, even a snafu moment where he, while he thought he was in control, he let out a sneeze, a speed moment, and that's when he began to train harder to control so the never happen again. But what he didn't know was that someone at that at that moment happened to snap a photo of him sneezing, and upon discovery, he went to a rage. He thought, no, these years of me training my bodily functions to then see this evidence is showing the contrary. I can never I need to keep up this myth that I have never once in my life sneezed. That's why this photo can never be released.
1: Well there you go. Scott, do you have any questions for Jimmy
0: mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just trying hard to believe that yes well Sean has transitioned to a role that's not directly working with Vince. What well, I don't I I don't see why Vince to keep Sean under a WWE contract in any form under his employee all the way because that in any way would surely be a reminder of how his heart was broken all well right
2: we've all we've all been in these situations before I know that everybody has the story of the one that got away and the one that got away to Vince McMahon as we all know is Sean Michaels and everybody Can be convinced. I've been convinced. I'm sure you guys as well, and all the illustrious members of the jury here in the KFAB court, we've all been weak at some point, and we've all gone back to that one that we thought got away. We thought maybe we could reel that line in one last time. And Vince, Vince was guilty of that too.
1: All right. So (laughs) let's get into the closing statements, I guess. Jimmy,
2: what do you have to say for yourself? Ladies and gentlemen of the kayfabe court, we have been here many times before, and we will be here many, many times again. But I don't think that a case this damning has ever been at your feet before. Your Honor, I know this must be a tough, tough place that you have been put into, but no tougher place than Vince was When he got that phone call from Sean. Vince McMahon. Has only been weak. Once. In his entire life. Because he was guilty. Of loving one person. And we can't fault him for that. But we can. Show. That I. Jimmy Baxter. Your friend and mine. That I. Have the correct evidence in showing what was inside Vince's lockbox. To quote Brad Pitt in the seminal film Seven, what is in the box? (laughs) And this time, it is not Gwyneth Paltrow's head. It is Vince McMahon giving Shawn Michaels head. So help me God. Your Honor. (laughs) Fuck me, dead. Poolside blowy, ladies and gentlemen. Poolside blowy.
1: <laughs> Scott,
0: you're yeah. on. Finish it off. Well, Isn't that what Vince said to Sean, allegedly? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Finish it off.
0: Allegedly, I see. Allegedly. He goes, <laughs> well, a associate has spun a rather entertaining narrative as it were, about Vince's relationship with Sean Michaels, There is, I still do not see full evidence as to how this relationship could even have been a thing. Whereas what I'm going with, the evidence that I have with what is in that lockbox is going on just pure facts of what we know about Vincent Stella, a man who hates failure. He hates to be seen weak. And also, to Tom McGee, like, when Bret Hart himself, a man involved in that match, has came out and caught himself on social media and called this woman who claims she was the one that found the tape a fraud and a charlatan. Even he himself has denied her side of the story. That I, sure, I Surely that throws in some reasonable doubt as to how this, how this tape was all this time. And I believe the story we are telling here and the one that got away with Vince McMahon is not Sean Michaels, but rather... Tom McGee, as in the one who could have been his main event guy for years to come. (laughs) Alright. I implore you to look at the facts.
1: Alright then. With all the things being taken into account, and with the evidence that I've been provided from the two people, I have come to the decision after talking to the jury, and I have declared Jimmy to be the winner.
2: of a vindication!
1: <laughs> Fame court. Because. I have. The same pictures. That Jimmy was talking about. Sent to me. By a source. Because I asked for them. You get totally that in the case. I mean. I'm sorry Scott. But I think. You were very unlucky. Because I fancied. Shawn Michaels and uh, Vince. So I already had the pictures that Jimmy was talking about. Unfortunately, I have the proof with me, and the proof says that it was Vince and Sean
2: fucking each other. Senseless. They do say, Your Honor, that the proof is in the pudding, and that pudding happened to be in, on, and around Vince McMahon. Indeed.
1: I guess that wraps up this week's episode. I've been Mr. Tundy and this is the K Court. the box. in the box? What
2: was in the uh, what's in the box? Uh, doctor, the what's gun? in the fucking box?
1: Well, we are back from K Fap Court. Uh, the judge in this in this week's episode was a really handsome-looking man. I'd say. What would, would mm-hmm. you all agree?
2: I mean, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder.
1: Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, so that was fun. Jimmy came out the Victor, even though Scott had way more evidence. But I think the last line that Jimmy said in his closing statement about Gwyneth Paltrow, that's what won him the entire thing, I guess. <laughs> all right, then. I hope everyone who's listened to this, all the two people who have listened to this enjoyed it. <laughs> um, you can, okay, you know what, Jimmy, plug yourself.
2: Uh, Alrighty ladies and gentlemen uh, there isn't uh, any particular uh, way to go see some of this stuff yet but I will keep you guys uh, informed as it moves forward but this weekend if you're in and around the New York City and New Jersey area of the United States of America, there is a huge, huge double show happening in Richfield Park, New Jersey, that I will be doing commentary on. It is Violence and Suffering, Bloody Roar at 2 p.m. and Pro Wrestling Magic presents Don't Stop Me Now, our big season finale. A lot of names uh, scheduled to show up there. Uh, Ace Romero from the Double or Nothing Battle Royal will be there, challenging for our Dark Arts title against the Meadowlands Monster. A lot of big things happening in the area right now. And if you're not already doing it, ladies and gentlemen, if you love us here on the Kayfab Court, and I mean we love us, you love us, so why don't you go and just you know find us on Instagram, Rogue Period Opinions, and find and just go back into our our archives and listen to all of the other great stuff that we have going on. And if you're so inclined, if you don't get bored of listening to me talk here on the podcast. Follow me at Mr. Riot, that's M-R-R-I-0-T, because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid, and leave me alone on Facebook. Uh, Gentlemen, of course, again, it was a pleasure to be here with you guys, and gotta say, victory feels pretty good after what happened to me last week.
1: I mean, last week, you were, like, you you
2: just broke down. (laughs) It all came crumbling down, it all did, yeah.
1: (laughs) Scott, plug yourself.
2: Uh, you can get me on Twitter at
0: Scott McCloud 1996. Uh, stay tuned on Roger Pines because myself and Carl will be presenting a podcast looking at New Japan's uh, Dominion show. Uh, if you enjoyed our previous shows on uh, Double or Nothing and Take Over 25, then hopefully we'll give you some equal in content. Uh, you can also get me. I also have a podcast called Scott Paul's Rambling Podcast. It's at SP Rambling on Twitter and. We just did an episode where I ranted in long form about Super Showdown. So if you didn't get enough of that on this, talking at the start of this, then you can hear me ranting in good detail about that because I'm just done talking about it. <laughs> and uh, if you follow us, um, I live treat, like most pay-per-views during that and try and find something amusing, especially when i have to watch crappy main events like Kohlberg on Undertaker. But other than that, yeah.
1: Good stuff. Well, I hope all of you all enjoyed it. That was KFF My name is Mr. T- oh, sorry, uh, Rahul. And you
2: son of a bitch.
1: And <laughs> that's been KFF Bye. Bye. Bye.
2: I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the looks that so good while I've got the mood. I really move 'em,
0: I said chill, up and down their spine. I'm
1: just a sexy boy. sexy boy. I'm not your boy toy.